I want to read a verse to you and then uh, share a little bit uh, and pick up on this theme that we were covering for a few weeks uh, that Pastor Mel uh, began a few weeks ago about prayer. Um, how I, I feel like I, I'd like to tie a few things together because I feel like, maybe you've noticed this, God is always doing that in our lives, right? There's always things tying together. This happens and it seems ironic that this is going on at the same time. And at first glance, the, the things seem disconnected, but somehow God uh, ties things together. It seems he's always doing that. We've been addressing the necessity of being people of prayer. Um, and like being people of character or people of love, it's never done, right? It's never, like, I, I've had seasons in my life where I felt like like prayer was really... I. I, would, I couldn't wait to get alone with God and have that time because good things were happening. And other seasons where it, I can't say I couldn't wait to get alone because it felt kind of like I was in a desert and like, you know, I'd get out there and, you know, God, I'm out here alone. I don't know where you are, but it feels like you're, you're not involved in this with me. And uh, I know probably none of you have ever felt that, but each new day, there's an opportunity to succeed or to fail, not just in prayer, but in anything. There's an, an opportunity to grow or neglect growth or stagnate even. There's an opportunity to have things happen. And um, uh, I feel like uh, to act or not to act, uh, it's, it's never done. And I feel like prayer is one of those things where it's never done. There's always more. There, how many ever feel like, how many people here, just to be honest, have a prayer list of things you're supposed to pray for? Only a few people use a list. Does that list ever get finished? No. No. And so probably that's why some of us don't keep one anymore is because we feel like, I'm, I'm a list writer. I write lists every day and I write lists that say, this is what I have to do this month. And then at the end of each month, I just change the month name on it. You know, this, this was May, you know, now it's June. Seriously, some of those things. And I, you know, they never get done. And I have lists that are for today. These things have to be done today. And it, it helps me. And my phone is full of lists. Uh, a lot of those kind of lists. And you never get done. And prayer is like that. I, you're never done, right? You just There's always something else. There's, there are more needs. And even if there aren't needs to pray for, there's and, and a lot of prayer is not about just covering the needs. It's about coming and beholding the one that we're presenting our needs to. I think that's one of the most glorious things. We're coming and we're drawing near to him and we're conversing with him and it's, it's not just a need. And there's always more to learn and to practice about prayer. There's always more, more to do to receive grace or to be faithful to God in prayer. The, the challenges, the grief of the last couple of weeks has is one of the things that has tied together with this theme. We had a handful of prayer meetings the week that um, our brother Brad went into the hospital, and uh, people were gathering and praying in faith and praying, you know, uh, there was a lot of emotion in it. It wasn't uh, cold, dry prayer, right? 
It wasn't like, okay, we need to just pray for, you know, can you pray for me for my job or something? And sometimes, you know, we're like, yeah, God, you know, meet that need, and we do it like that. But this is like, this is an urgent need. Somebody is, you know, on the threshold of life and death, and, you know, there's, there's something behind it, which is, which is a good, uh, not that I want to be in crisis all the time, but it's a good thing to recognize, as Stryker said to me during that time, when you end up in a situation like that, the religion goes out the window, and now it's like the real deal. What do we believe? Well, who's the God we're praying to? What do we believe about him? What do we believe about life and death? What about all of these things? It's all of a sudden a really important thing. And this happening just now, just weeks leading up to Pentecost Sunday, which is, of course, all to do with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the people of God, which is every year at this time we emphasize Pentecost because... How many know we need God's Holy Spirit working in us in order to become what God desires? The Holy Spirit is producing Christ-likeness in the people of God. And I want more of the Holy Spirit for me and for you. And I want more of the Spirit poured out. I, I, and that's not just that I want signs and wonders and miracles. And God knows I want that. But the Holy Spirit works in a lot of more subtle ways too, right? Over a period of time, he's working in us so that you, you notice in your life that somebody maybe you were bitter toward. Over a period of time, the Holy Spirit's been working in you and you realize, yep. you see that person and it's like, that's gone. It's evaporated. And it wasn't just one dramatic moment where, you know, I got a vision and somebody prophesied over me and healed me of my back or something and now I can forgive them. No, it's just subtle. And I had that with somebody for years. I would pray, God, I forgive them for the things they said. I forgive them. And, and over time, I didn't even realize I wasn't praying that anymore. It had just been kind of forgotten. And when I saw that person, uh, years later, I remember, this is great. I have no, there, there truly was no sense of, you know, Oh, man, I remember what they said to me, did to me, whatever. It's like it was gone. It's gone. And that, it, so prayer, the tragedy of the last couple of weeks, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, all these things are tying together. And so today I want us to, um, I, want, I hope, to equip us to be people of prayer, to give us some, something else, more tools in our um, prayer tool chest to, 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 to pray, to pray effectively, to pray in a fulfilling way, something that happens. So God, I pray that you would grace us now as we look at your word and uh, help us uh, to become the people of prayer that we need to be. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, um, Actually, I'm going to back up and just read uh, verses 12 through 14. Um, this is after Jesus has been resurrected. And the beginning of the book of Acts, it says over a period of 40 days, he's come back. He's been speaking with the disciples. And it isn't actually just the 11. Uh, as we'll see, there's a group of at least 120 uh, that are gathering together and God's doing something. So they're... And Jesus has spoken to them. They said, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That you're going to do this great thing for Israel? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know about those kinds of things. 
What I can tell you, he says back in verse 8, is that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth, like where we live. He says this and then he ascends, he uh, uh, ascends into the clouds and uh, it, it says then, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is, Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all, here it is, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer, yes. along with the women... And Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers, who during his lifetime, it says they didn't believe. But now they're, they're part of this uh, group that is continually devoting themselves to prayer in this room. And it says in the next verse, this is, I'm only going to read this because of what it says about the group, not because of the context. And at that time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren, a gathering of about 120 persons was there together, okay? And then he talks about uh, finding someone to replace Judas. Um, But it says a group of about 120 people had been gathering, continually devoting themselves to prayer. These people, this group, during Jesus' life, and even in his last day on the planet, they couldn't even stay awake for an hour during prayer. While Jesus is praying, and he says, you know, he has the group, they have the Last Supper, then he goes out with the whole group to this vineyard on the Mount of Olives, and then he separates, there's a few of them left behind, and he takes the three, Peter, James, and John, and it says they go further with him, and then he parted himself from them, and he said, keep watch with me. Meaning, you know, stay and pray while I'm going up. And I know they only sort of, uh, they, they knew that uh, tension was rising and, you know, and that the persecution was at the door and they had been hearing these mysterious, you know, things that Jesus said that, you know, we're going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer and these things and be killed and raised again. And they didn't even understand what he was talking about. So now he's praying. They know that it's tense. He's even talked about who's going to betray him. And now he's over praying. And Peter, James, and John, they're his inner circle. They're his guys, man. And they're, you know, you know, over somewhere under a tree in the vineyard. And sure, they're tired. You know, it's, I don't, who knows what time it is. But, you know, here's Jesus over there praying, and he's praying serious things, and I don't know whether they could hear all of what he was praying. I mean, it's recorded what he prayed, or whether he then later said to them when he rose and said, this is what I was praying over there while you guys were sawing logs. I was over there praying, and they're, you know, they're doing what they do best. They're sleeping, and he comes back not once, but twice. You guys couldn't stay awake for one hour? Like, this is Jesus' hour of need. I've been there for you guys in everything. And you can't stay awake for... I know he didn't probably do that, but it's like, Peter, wake up and pray to avoid temptation. You're, you know, this is a 
tense time for you too. And then he goes back and it says he prayed the same thing and he comes back and, you know, they're, you know, they really learned the lesson, man. They're back over there. You know, well, Lord, you got to admit, it's, you pray a lot. And, you know, we couldn't really, you, know, you can pray for hours. And we're, we're just listening. Well, you could have stood up and prayed. Now here they are after the resurrection. Even before the Holy Spirit comes, they're continually devoting themselves to prayer. Something changed. Something transformed. And I'll tell you, I think in this, they've come to this place where prayer isn't just that Jesus says, you guys need to pray, and they just say, we're disciplined guys, and we're going to do it. We're going to set... You know, Martin Luther, uh, who... You know, it wasn't the really the uh, the only reformer. He wasn't even probably the the most. Uh, he didn't even launch the Reformation. Really, it started with some others who were even a little more radical. But Martin Luther, known as the you know the father of the Reformation, he he believed in the habit and the discipline of prayer. And he apparently prayed about three hours a day. And it says that he prayed during the hours most suited to work. He, this is how much he believed this is work and something really important. He prayed apparently using those hours. And he urged that we must pray whether we feel like it or not. That's the way it is. However, he also proposed that there are ways to focus our thoughts, and he, these are his words, to warm and engage our affections for prayer. Because, he wrote, it is wrong for believers to be cool and joyless in prayer. Well, gosh, there are times that it is wrong for me then, because I have those times. All right? But he felt it was wrong for Christians to be joyless and cool in prayer. We needed to warm and engage our affections. We need to get into it, is what he's basically saying. Yes, be disciplined. Yes, pray whether you feel like it or not. But then he says there's, there are ways to kind of get uh, kind of primed to get into it, to be uh, passionate about it. Uh, I, he says, I want your heart to be stirred and guided, rightly warmed and inclined toward prayer. This appears to have happened to this 120. They couldn't stay awake. Now they're continually devoting themselves to prayer. They're doing this. Something has turned them on. I think they now have a sure approach to God. Before that, they're kind of maybe thinking they need to be disciplined, which, you know, fair enough. But they were confident maybe in, well, they're walking with Jesus and they're, you know, kind of friends with him. But then afterward, now... They're confident that they have an audience with God because Jesus has come back from the dead. He has even told them, you go to the Father in my name. If you ask anything in my name. About just a little over a year ago when I was asked to help with the church in Surrey, uh, the people that joined us, uh, which uh, Brad was one of them, 
that church had lost the place they were meeting in, and they were meeting in the warehouse of the roofing company that Brad and Alexi worked for. And it's a big cavernous, uh, cold um, uh, warehouse. And because of Brad's relationship with the owner of the company, the, uh, they were able to, we were able to meet in that warehouse, in this space that was kind of cleared out. It wasn't because he necessarily looked and said, oh, you guys do such great work as a church. You can meet here. No, it was all in Brad's name. Mm-hmm. It was because of who he was to the owner. So that when I went in there, it was a little bit weird. Like, I'm walking through the administration office of that company to use the washroom. And if somebody had come out, it's like, I don't belong in here, except I'm here in Brad's name, who was, you know, uh, the owner's star employee. He worked there. So it's like, it could have been like, hey, who are you? And it's like, oh, I'm here with Brad. Oh, done. Good. Now, when we approach the Father, it's like we have free course because we come in his name. It's like, oh, you know him. And we've all had that, right, with different things. I know they do it in advertising. They'll say, you know, if you want to get this deal on, you know, this mattress, uh, you know, use the promo code. And they'll say, you know, the, the DJ says his name, which, you know, it's just an ad. It's just a gimmick on there. But in this case, we were able to have our service there because of Brad's performance to this guy who owned the place. Because of him, he was willing to give the church this space, and he gave it to the church free of charge, and you know, you got the run of the place because of this guy. Now here's God the Father because of Jesus, and this is, I know every analogy breaks down at some point, but this is almost exactly what God the Father did. He's not looking and saying, because you're such a hot shot, or you, or you, because you've done all this, because you're so holy, or anything. No, I get to approach the holy, perfect God of the universe because of what Jesus did. It's like, I'm coming in his name, and it's like, oh, you've got the run of the place. You, you have access. You can come in. Oh, you're coming in Jesus' name. Oh, okay, that changes it all. Not just, you know, oh, John, you are really, you've done some great things, and man, are you good looking. You can come in. And I, he looks and he says, oh, because of Jesus, you've trusted in him. You're coming in on his credit because of his performance, because of his perfection. And you get to come in. I think that changed the apostles where now they know that Jesus didn't just kind of please the Father. No, he pleased him to the point that even death couldn't hold him. So that after giving himself, he said, you guys are going to mourn. You're going to mourn and the world will rejoice. But then you're going to see me again and your mourning will be turned into rejoicing, into dancing. You'll know that I've won and that is exactly what took place. They're like, how could this happen? They didn't get it. Then he comes back and they see he, he has defeated sin. He never sinned. He has defeated his enemies. 
He's defeated the devil himself, and he's defeated death itself. So now, what's happened is their faith goes like this. Their faith is like, oh, he isn't just a little bit better than the rulers of the world. He's God. He really has authority over all of it. And now he gives us his name like a pass. You come in my name. You believe in me. You come in on my performance. So now their faith is up here. So now when they pray, they're coming to God the Father and saying, according to what Jesus said and everything he said came to pass, according to what he said, we can come in. Not in an irreverent, casual, um, disrespectful way, but we come in now as kids. We belong here. It's like we... We reverence the Father. We respect Him. We're in awe of Him. But we also know that we have access, true access to all the resources that He wants to give us. He's not trying to withhold. Jesus is the forerunner. He opened the door and He went in. And everybody else in that You know, coming into, again, picturing that big warehouse. Everybody else coming in. It's like, oh, you're here because of him. Okay, you're in. And that's what the Father is looking at us. So now these guys come to pray, and they know they have an audience with the living God. Man, when when we go to pray, is, is that in our minds that God is watching and waiting? And he's looking, oh, Ronald is coming to me in the name of Jesus. He's not coming because he thinks he's the next Billy Graham and he's done so many great things. No, the same way, Billy Graham, he came in the name of Jesus. Not because, oh, well, God, you owe me because I've done, no. No, you're coming in Jesus' name. And their faith goes like this, so now, oh man, he's praying in that name. These guys are praying in the name of Jesus. And then to take it even farther, this group of people, then the Holy Spirit pours out on them. And they're coming now with the Holy Spirit glorifying the name of Jesus in them, showing them how mighty God truly is. Here's a few things, and I'm... Again, mindful of our time, faith gets faith is is prayer currency. We come in faith. Faith is the currency of prayer. And so maybe sometimes we've been asking for the wrong things when we approach God. Maybe we need to ask for a faith upgrade. God, I need to see you more clearly so that I realize if I'm feeling kind of small and inadequate, maybe it's because my God is small and inadequate in my mind. And I'm still thinking, like the apostles before the resurrection, that, wow, Jesus seems, you know, pretty great. But after the resurrection, and after the Holy Spirit came, when they really understood, then it's like, oh man, the limits are off. He's really extraordinary. Their God is no longer small and inadequate, so their faith goes up. Maybe instead of just asking for things in prayer, we need to sometimes stop, like in the Lord's Prayer. Where does it start? Where does the Lord's Prayer start? Our Father, Father, who art in heaven. 
It's like, this is like before we start saying, God, this is what I need or this is what I want or those kinds of things. It's like to pause first and, okay, I'm going to look up first. I'm going to see who he is. When I get a, a, a clearer vision of who he is, and I pause and gaze at him and look at him. And then what happens? My faith goes up. So now when I'm praying, I'm not just groveling like, oh, God, I don't belong here. I'm, I'm unworthy. And it's like, hey, wait a minute. Didn't you come in in Jesus' name? Yeah, well, get up. Get up. What's in your account is what's in Jesus' account. That's what I see when I'm looking at you. When God's looking at you, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ... What's he looking at? He's seeing, oh, Jesus. It's like you've been marked with Jesus. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Jesus, it's like you're coming in now with something in your account that is, he wants to give you what he gives to Jesus. Is anybody getting anything out of that? I know I'm, I'm going over it and over it and over it. I just... I don't want to be praying down here like uh, we shouldn't really expect much and, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, hey, some of those prayer meetings we had the week that Brad went in the hospital, our faith was for something different than we got, right? right. Yep. There was a lot of prayer for healing, for God to raise him up, uh, when, when his wife wasn't in the room, even when they took Brad off of all the machines except for the respirator, I was telling Nigel, uh, I thought, God, I'm not going to later look back and regret that I didn't try. I didn't want to do something disrespectful in front of his wife, but I grabbed his arm. I I prayed that God would raise him from the dead. I thought, you know what? I had a few things like that with somebody that was on their deathbed. And I was kind of timid because I didn't want to scare somebody. And I thought, I'm not going to look back and say, gosh, I wish I would have at least tried. I wish I would have done it. And I grabbed his hand and I said, get up. And I did that. That My faith was for that guy to be standing here. You know that picture we have on our website of that monster of a man with those hands, you know, add another foot on me, (laughs) you know, and him worshiping like just tenderly before God. He just wanted, it's like I liked our church more with him in it. And so we were extending our faith for that. But in the final tally, my faith is in Jesus. And if I don't get what I saw as the ideal, it doesn't weaken my faith in him one bit. I know I'm going to see Brad. I know I'm going to join him now. I know that Jesus is good. I don't understand how all the healing stuff works because I'm praying what I desire. And I, you know what? There's even a scriptural precedent for it in Jesus. Jesus in the garden said, if possible for this cup to pass from me, 
And then he said, nevertheless, like for Jesus, it didn't take anything. I'm more like, God, you might have a certain idea, but I want you to do what I want. And here's what I want. Here's what I want. And I'm laying it out. And, you know, and he didn't take it. Why? Well, I don't exactly know why. I don't know. But it doesn't diminish my trust in God at all. Because I know that he sees a bigger picture. I know he's good. I know he loves Brad. I know he loves me. Yeah. I know he, that, he, that Jesus is perfect and I'm there because of him. And I'm going to keep going forward. And I know that the people that Brad brought to Christ are in the kingdom because he pointed them there, yeah. presented Christ. All of these things. And so it doesn't work out the way I want it all the time. I want it. I want to know clearly, and I want to see more of those miraculous things. But my faith is in him and in the name of Jesus. And I'm coming to prayer in that name day after day after day after day. And I'm going to keep believing him. And I expect that we're going to see more of those kind of opportunities where, and I don't, please, I don't mean I want tragedy, but more opportunities where we pray for the sick and more times where we see the victory and we see it happen too. More of it, more of it, more of it. I'm not going to stop doing it because it didn't happen this time. I'm going to close with this. Even the amount of faith isn't always the thing. You know, the time where the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him about increasing their faith. And he seems to sort of suggest that it isn't the amount of faith. He says, if you have faith like a mustard seed, it seems like he's saying, it's what your faith is in, and is it the, tr- is it the real stuff? Or is it just, oh, I have a lot of faith. And boy, I've been there where, maybe you too, where sometimes it's like, I have prayed my best prayer. I prayed it so well. The words I thought came together and I was into it and I prayed it forcefully and whatever. And my faith was maybe too much in my praying. And I've heard about people even at times, one guy, he came to a men's retreat we did. And he, he said he had prayed for a whole lot of people in this meeting. And he pastored a big group in the Philippines. And he said, finally, at the end of the meeting, he was tired. He said, I had nothing left. And he he said, this woman came up and her son had a, I forget how old he said he was, maybe nine or ten, something like this. And he said he had a club foot. Something about his foot did not work. And this guy said, I was so spent that he said, I I hate to admit it, but I kind of prayed an obligatory prayer. <laughs> like, he just said, I, I didn't have much. <laughs> you know, God would just choose to do this. That he sort of just said, you know, um, to, you know, he doesn't want to turn her away, but he, he's just, you know, Lord, please uh, heal this child now in Jesus' name. And whap, that foot straightened out. He said, <laughs> he was just like, and I, my old pastor did that. He said they were in Mexico. Sure. He said they had a crowd around them and they prayed for a bunch of people and he said nothing was happening. He said no miracles, anything like that. And Brian, who was kind of a bigger guy, he said he was kind of defeated. He said he kind of felt like this, you know, in front of all this crowd. And the crowd dispersed, and he's thinking, they're all think, they all think I'm a charlatan. And he said a lady came up who brought an older lady, and she was blind. And he said her eye 
balls. Like there wasn't really much there. It was kind of sunken in. He said this kid would lead her. And, and he, he said he wanted to just say, didn't you just see what happened? I'm a, I'm a sham. Nobody, nobody, nothing happened to anybody. And he said he prayed and that lady got healed and nobody was left. Nobody saw it. Yep. <laughs> God would do that like there's no glory that, oh, you know, just point me in a direction. No, nobody saw it. She got healed. And uh, he said he's kind of looking around. The crowd had already left. And I think that's beautiful. Like maybe God knew he wouldn't be able to handle that thing. But it reminds me of this thing, the story that I started with. Jesus talks about a seed. What do you do with a seed? He says, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, be moved and cast into the sea, and it'll do it. Well, I've spoken to a few mountains and haven't seen it. But this, what do you do with a seed? You plant it. And I want to say, I have faith. I, that's not proud. I have faith in God. So I'm going to do what he said. I'm going to plant it. Now, sometimes... I haven't seen the result that I want, but I'm planting it. And then what do you do after you plant it? For the most part, you let it do its thing. I mean, you maybe you water it, maybe you do a few things like that, and keep the weeds away from it, that kind of thing. But for the most part, it just does what it is made to do. We sow the seed of faith and trust God in prayer. Let's sow the seed of faith. I'm coming in the name of Jesus. I'm going to seek you, God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be changed by time with you. I'm coming to you. I'm going to spend this time with you. I'm going to ask. I'm going to sow the seed of faith. I'm going to do it. And then let God produce the results. It might take a while for that crop, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. And the person who comes to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. We have to start there. So let's. Father, I thank you for stirring faith in us, in you. That we don't have our faith in our own ability to pray, in our own performance, our own strength, our own talents or gifts. or, or And that conversely, we don't have a lack of faith because of our lack of talent or our lack of skill or anything like that. Our faith is in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for that. We thank you for Jesus, whose performance is perfect, whose record is perfect, who's given us promises to depend on, to rely on, and to apply so that when we come to pray, we're appropriating Jesus' perfect record. We're appropriating yeah. the glory of Jesus, the power of Jesus, yeah. the righteousness of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the obedience of Christ. God, grow us as people of prayer, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.